Broadcasting live from Buffalo State College, here is The Blitz on 91.3 FM. And welcome back to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. And at long last, it's your boy T-Sizzle, Tanner Saunders, back on the mic. It's been uh, long overdue. It's been a, a while since I've you know been in here with the homies, and it's good to be back in the saddle again. Speaking of the homies, who are they? Let's introduce them. We have the greatest thigh dancer of all time, Evan Harrington, and the most accomplished Boy Scout of all time, Daniel Dale, Double D. How's it going, fellas? It's going great. It's uh, it's happy. I'm glad to see you again, Tanner. It's been too long. I missed I missed the beard and the mustache. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, we're on. Uh, you know, so I, you know, me and Tanner got to go to lunch the other day. We went to what Joe's Pizzeria on Saturday. As mm-hmm. you were moving into yep. your dorm, coming back, you know that was good to see you again. Obviously, Tanner, we did a little uh, work over the summer doing. Uh, high school women's lacrosse, which was fun, and women's flag football, which was fun. I got to see you a little bit over the summer, but it just didn't feel the same, you know, not having you in studio because there's something about that vibe and you know that connection and that chemistry that when you you know look at your co-host's face, you just get to see the visual, you know, effects of you know what you're portraying on the mic and just you know when you're hearing yourself over the phone, all I hear is you know blah 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 blah. I don't get to see you know that that expression. Uh, so it's good to see you back in the studio, and it's just great. It's going to make the Blitz a whole lot better having you back. It's good to have you back, buddy. Yeah, it's, I'll say it's hard do, trying to do it over the phone. I mean, obviously we got it done. You know, we got through all the summer episodes in one piece, but it's kind of hard to get a word in edgewise. Like Double D was talking to me before the show. He's like, Jesus, I can remember one episode where you didn't even, like, say anything. I'm like, it's hard because you know, just being on the phone, and then there's a little bit of a delay, so, you know, by the time I might have a thought or want something to say, you might have already moved on to something else, it's just, it's just tough, so it's good to be back in the studio, good to be back here in Buffalo, and ready to get this thing rolling, so, uh, Double D, you ran a couple topics across me, where shall we start here, we got the Carolina game, uh, the punting situation, the 53-man roster, the Bills already made some cuts today, so where do you reckon we should start out here, fellas? What's that? I missed the cuts. I didn't see them yet. Yeah, it was, uh, they made their first round of cuts. Let me see if I can pull it up here on the old Twitterverse. Uh, no no surprises, just kind of like end of the roster guys that you would expect. Offensive lineman Jacob Capra, offensive lineman Tanner Owen, wide receiver Neil Pau, however you say his last name. Neil Pau. Uh, yep, defensive end Daniel Joseph, defensive back Jordan Miller, and defensive back Josh Thomas were the first six cuts before or for the Buffalo Bills before they get down to the final 53 here. Okay, that makes sense. You know, third uh, third, third team guys, you know, didn't really have a spot on the team. Tanner, I did have, like, a hype of, while you were in Mexico. I was like, maybe he's Tanner Owen. You know, maybe he just changed his last name, and he's actually part of the Buffalo Bills, and we would never know about it. I mean, I could pass. I, I know, you know, for the listeners out there, you, most of you have probably never seen me in person. But if you do see me in person, I could certainly pass for an NFL offensive lineman. All like five, eight hundred fifty pounds of me. You best believe. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're looking at the first round of cuts by the Buffalo Bills, Jacob Capra, you know, a guy that we didn't think 
too much of going out through preseason and training camp. Maybe he has a chance to be one of the back-end players in the practice squad. But the two names in general, obviously you mentioned Jacob Capra, Tanner Owen, Neil Powell, Daniel Joseph, defensive end, Jordan Miller, and Josh Thomas, uh, both of those guys' defensive backs. The, the two main players that we released today that I think have a legitimate shot to make the practice squad is uh, safety Josh Thomas and receiver Neil Powell. And when you look at this receiving depth chart, you know, there's guys in front of Neil Powell like Tanner Gentry, um, Jake Kumaro, etc. A guy like Tavon Austin before we let him go. And you're like, well, you know, those guys are better. We'd rather have those guys in the practice squad. But, you know, a couple of those guys might get swooped up by other teams. A guy like Neil Powell isn't going to get swooped up by another team. He's going to know his role on the practice squad. He's an undrafted free agent. He had a nice camp, not a great one, but he showed out, uh, especially in the last preseason game against the Panthers. Uh, he made great catches over the middle. He showed some nice yak ability, some good possession catching, showed he's a big body receiver that can run and move. Uh, I think that's valuable, and I think that's valuable enough for the Buffalo Bills to say, hey, we know you're a UDFA, but you showed enough. You could be one of the back-end guys on our practice squad. Uh, you probably could be the seventh or eighth receiver on this team. I think he's done enough to warrant getting re-signed uh, you know, when all cuts are, are done. Oh, I, I have no thoughts on it. Uh, I, because this is just brand new to me. Because I've had classes all day, so I've been pretty out of it. <laughs> this was. Um, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, this was tweeted out at 10:25 a.m. Yeah, I had class, so yeah, that makes sense. I had class with Joe. Tanner will never get to meet Joe. <laughs> he, Joe has not seen Tanner. Tanner has not seen Joe. Well, I mean, I saw him in passing, you know, at the, uh, uh, yeah, the like just, just event, man. in the hallway, yeah. but you know, I saw that, the, that's not enough. I saw the backside of him wearing his, uh, Matt Milano jersey that night, but I have never like met him face to face or spoken with him face to face. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen at this point. I mean, I thought today was going to be the day, but twas not to be. Yeah. Um, in speaking, uh, you know, of, of the depth chart and, you know, some potential cuts, what do we do with Raheem Blackshear? Like, I'm, I'm like dead serious. What do we do with, you know, I'm on Buffalo Fanatics. This is what Rico call, calls him, Radio Raheem. Any of our listeners, he was an old old movie star. I don't know, it was an old movie. That's what I was told by Rico. I don't know much about Radio Raheem. But uh, Raheem Blackshear, just electric all preseason. Phenomenal. I mean, what do you do with this guy? I get it. He's not better as of right now than Zach Moss, James Cook, and Devin Singletary. He's just not, you know. Those guys are, you know, proven themselves, whether they're a veteran or a rookie or just they're meaningful snaps. They've done more than Raheem Blackshear. What do you do with Raheem Blackshear? You don't want to let him go to the practice squad because there's a chance that a team swoops him up and he's gone. And then you lose that potential player in Raheem Blackshear that can do something on your roster. Do you keep him as a fourth slash fifth running back with Taiwan Jones and try to develop him as a special teams player and maybe next year you move on from Taiwan Jones? I don't no. I, I don't know. Like, no, it, it, in my idea of this, Blackshear was good in preseason, no doubt about it. He was probably one of the best preseason players out there. If not the best. Right. But it, in my mind, I think that running backs are a dime a dozen. You could probably get away with releasing him and then putting him on the practice squad. Because I don't know how many teams are going to go, oh, I really need a number three running back. 
No offense to Blackshear, but remember, if you're thinking he's playing against twos and threes, he's not playing against ones, he's not playing against, you know, higher two-one type mix-ups. So I'm just thinking that you will get away with it. If you really want to put him on the practice squad, you can. Uh, but I think you're good with the three running back uh, trifecta here. Singletary, Moss, Cook. If, let's say, Singletary goes down, you have Cook to replace it. Then you go to two. You have Moss that goes down. You have Cook to go in. It Cook is just, right now, there to fill a void if somebody gets hurt. Because Moss, this will either be his make it or break it year. Um, in his third year of his rookie contract. And this is Singletary's really chance to prove himself, to deserve a contract, to deserve an extension. And if he doesn't show up, what happens? Cook takes over. Cook is just here for pressure for the other running backs right now. So having Blackshear on the main roster I don't think works. So here's here's the thing now. If you search up on Twitter... Zach Moss, I, like anyone listening, unless you're driving, don't. But any, you know, you get Dan and Tanner. Look up Zach Moss on, on, on Twitter, Google, whatever your search engine is. There's trade rumors. Like whether they're real or fake, there's trade rumors for Zach Moss. Now, is this, um, you know, something the Bills can be looking forward to? You got a guy like Zach Moss, who not only has played phenomenal throughout training camp. He's shown up in preseason, you know, has played with Josh Allen and the starters, has had a drive, you know, where he's doing some things offensively, you know, getting downfield as a runner against a first-team defense. He he looks different. He looks more explosive. He's bouncing plays outside instead of just rushing up the middle, not being able to cut. Uh, you know, his cutting ability looks better, you know, coming off that injury. Let's say the Bills trade Zach Moss. Do you bring on Blackshear instead of Duke Johnson? In that in that case, yes. I mean, thank you for bringing that to my attention. First off, I did not realize there was a trade rumors about Zach Moss. But now, whether if, they're real or fake yeah. is the question. But it's still something to speculate about. I mean, if you can move Zach Moss, then th- at that point, I'd be fine. You know, bringing up Raheem Blackshear. I think he's you know done enough. And you know, Zach Moss. Not to say he's been a bad player his first two years with the Bills, but you know he's been kind of underwhelming. He's dealt with injuries. You know, I still would like to have him on the roster because you know every time the running back room comes up, you know I talk about how he has you know that skill set that the other guys on the roster just don't have because you know he's the most power back esque running back of the group. So I would like to have him on the roster, but you know if there's any way you know Bean can extract value for Moss and just get something in in return for him if he's not going to be part of the long-term future of the running back room then go for it and carry Raheem Blackshear I I don't think you trade Moss and the only reason I think that he is your pound running back he is that guy who gets you who once you get into like that five yard line that's what he's special for that's why they drafted him that's why they brought him here he can get into the end zone. Yes, he hasn't had much success. I will say that. He has sucked when trying to get into the end zone because he tries to do a fancy move that doesn't work at all or he just doesn't get open uh, when it's a pass instead of a run. But, you know, he's had some, like Tanner, you said, he's had some bad luck. Injuries have plagued him, you know, 
And I I think you give him this last year. You just give him the last year because he's had shines of potential. And, you know, you don't really want to trade a guy you drafted. That That's the thing that Bean and McDermott haven't done much, traded guys they've drafted. They've released them if they've sucked. Uh, I mean, Zay Jones, they let go. Uh, Cody Ford got traded. But they don't like doing that, in my mind. Yeah, and the whole thing on Zach Moss, this is the thing. I mean, Zach Moss is going into his third year as the Buffalo Bills running back. He's going into his first year in the Ken Dorsey offense, but, you know, the Brian Dable to Ken Dorsey offense is almost the same. I mean, every offense is different. Uh, you know, certain coordinators, coordinators uh, you know, put little touches on it. But for the most part, it's the same offense. You know, thick and thin, it kind of is. And Zach Moss has known this offense, and he's played in this offense throughout the last three seasons, or going on to his third season. Do you want to risk that and bring in a rookie running back that has only played well in preseason. You know, Zach Moss is shown to be, when healthy, a viable player, a valuable player. Whether that's in the red zone or just going downfield, he's an underrated pass catcher. He's the best blocking back on the team. He's, when healthy, good at cutting up cutting up the field. Uh, he's not super fast, but he has a nice cut. And his kind of, you know, his body type allows him to run in between the tackles uh, compared to other running backs. And he's just overall a solid back. I just don't think it would be the best thing to trade him now, especially when you have all the chips lined up on the table going for that Super Bowl run. You have a viable player, a valuable player in Zach Moss. I just don't want to risk it by bringing on a rookie in, in his spot. I... I wouldn't be totally mad if they traded him. I'd rather I'm I'm with all y'all there. I'd rather not because you know he brings that skill set that no one else in the running back room has really. But you know Bean has shown that if there's you know any opportunity for him to capitalize value for someone that's not going to be a long term part of the team's future, then he'll do it. You know, look at you know Cody Ford or Zay Jones, something like that. So I mean, if the opportunity's there, then you take it. And it just goes back to that. I know you know we're going all in this year. We're pushing all the the chips to the center of the table but you know you do have to think about future and Zach Moss are we really gonna you know re-sign the guy are we really gonna pay the guy I mean if he turns into the next Adrian Peterson which is a stretch but if that happens then sure but you know Singletary's contract is gonna be up at the end of this season then you got Moss's contract coming up down the road after that plus you still have to pay guys like you know Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer so you know if the opportunity's there. I wouldn't be mad if they took it, but you know, I guess I'm fine with it either way. If if Moss stays on the roster, then you just put Blackshear on the practice squad, I guess, and hope that he doesn't get poached by somebody. But if you decide to trade Zach Moss, then of course you carry uh, Raheem Blackshear on the active roster going into the regular season. Um, I will say though, if if uh, Raheem Blackshear doesn't end up getting cut and put on the practice squad, I'm not I don't like our odds of him, you know, staying on the practice squad. I imagine he'll get poached by some other team. It's a good problem to have if you're the Bills, you know. Our roster is so loaded from top to bottom that we're just bound to have, you know, guys that are going to get poached off our practice squad that can, you know, go be productive somewhere else. So it's a good problem, but it's also infuriating at the same time. 
Yeah, it's very infuriating, but it happened last year, too. I mean, you can't stop it. It happens. Other teams who are bad, like Detroit, Jets, Miami, um, you know, they're going to look at people's practice squads and say, who, hey, who can we take that would probably be, like, either a bench or, like, bench starter type where we can flip him in? Um, and the... It sucks. It always sucks because you're like um, Wild Goose. Wild Goose is a good mm-hmm. example. He went to the Jets, mm-hmm. and he looked really good with the Jets. And you're like, wow, we might have missed something that, you know, maybe other teams knew. But, you know, what can you do? Um, you know, it's just a part of the game. You got to adapt. You got to learn. And I think Bean and McDermott have done a wonderful job always trying to find that next man up. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, about running backs being a dime a dozen. I mean, obviously recency bias. Everyone's high on Blackshear because he's had a great preseason. But we, we saw the same thing, you know, happen last year with Antonio Williams. So, you know, you can always find, you know, those fifth, sixth, seventh round guys or maybe even UDFAs that – you know, end up coming out and being productive in the uh, in the uh, in the preseason. You know, it's easy to find guys like that. Easier than it is to find you know those type of guys at some other positions. So, you know, hurting or losing Raheem Blackshear would hurt, but it's not you know something that you're gonna lose sleep over. Because like I said, because like we've said, running back talent's a dime a dozen. It is uh, not too hard to find. I'm sure you know we'll have another case of this next year and in all the coming years where you have a guy you know, that's a fifth, sixth, seventh round or UDFA and just comes out and balls out in the preseason. So now, now Tanner, I do. Oh, Evan's back now. Uh, so I have a Ooh. question for both of you. All right. How many guys do you think will get picked up by the giants once the bills release <laughs> their full <laughs> roster? Um, because is there an over under or, uh, I, here? you know, I'll, I'll make the over under over under 10. Ten. Oh, I think that's or, too or high. Let me go lower, lower. I would say like three and a half, six. four, six, um, six. Over under six. I'd say under. Yeah, I really? would say under. Um, I would almost say over. I mean, when you're really looking at it all in in like the real thick of things, I mean, what where are some of the giants that are over in Buffalo right now? I'm trying to think. Uh, Antonio Williams. Why am I having a blank on some of the others? Antonio Williams. Didn't they take an offensive player from us? Uh, Try to remember. There's there's only a few. There's not too many Giants players here. Let me go to the Giants depth chart really quick. Yep, that's Giants depth chart. Let me see. But if, but you gotta think, right? Shine has looked at these players. Oh, and, and you know here. So here's the thing. Oh, so so John John Feliciano. Forget that's yep. the one. Matt Breida. Breida. Matt, Matt mm. Breida. That's Matt Breida's over there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So Matt Breida's over there. Um, Elijah Griffin, the defensive back. Right, Elijah yep. Griffin. Oh, oh uh, so you're already talking about four and, that have gone there. I think Jamil Douglas too. Didn't Jamil Douglas, the so offensive now we're lineman, five. spend some time with us? Yes, I think he has. So it's like they've already done five. Yes, maybe not all of them are roster guys, but Shine's gonna want Buffalo guys, especially because he's gonna look at those. Uh, those offensive guys and be like, "Hey, you played with our online coach. Come here. Hey, David you played Sills, with our head coach. A, that's Come a former, here." Remember David Sills? 
Yeah, David Stills. Yeah, so we're talking six Taylor. now. Another offensive, seven. Another offensive it's lineman, adding. too. Garrett McGinn, make that eight. Eight. So you guys think there isn't that much. No, they are like. Well, so no, no. They're the Bills of the East. Yeah, <laughs> and you are right about that. The only reason I think it's going to be the over-under on three and a half or, or four is because when you when you maximize their roster down, right, you have everything coming together. You're not going to add 10 new players around the league in general. You're not going to add 10 guys. Are you saying just practice squad or active roster? I would say both. Both. Um, I think the guys who are, are on the Giants roster right now, you're maybe looking to add at, at max four guys to your active roster that are not currently in your organization. You're right, you know? Because why would you add guys on your 53-man roster that have not been playing throughout training camp in preseason your, you know, the entire way through? So I don't think they're going to add too many players that haven't been within the organization to the 53-man roster. Now that transitions transitions to the, to the uh, practice squad. And, I mean, you're, there's a few players that might get the, get the call. Maybe a guy like Josh Thomas, maybe. Uh, Etc. But but I mean those guys would have to get signed up and I and I guess you could make the argument for some Bills players going there because the Brian Dable system, you know, and this would be an offensive thing. Maybe a guy like Quentin Morris or Tommy Sweeney gets the call, tight end. Maybe Duke Johnson or Raheem Blackshear gets called over. Maybe when you're looking at receiver, I mean, I as much as the Giants don't have the superstar talent at receiver, they they are pretty deep. They have a solid receiving core. Maybe they take a guy and throw him on their practice. I, I, I don't know. If we release him straight up and we don't resign him back, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but, yeah, there is a good amount of Giants players on the roster right now. Uh, you know, notable names. John Feliciano, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Robert Foster, I believe, too. Robert Foster. Yep, they put him on IR, though, so that would make it oh, nine. And then number 10, I found another one, Davis Webb. Oh, my God. We're Davis finding Webb. Yeah, like, Davis Webb. Oh, my God. So about a tenth of their roster. Yeah. <laughs> about, about an eighth of their roster is 8% of their roster is former Buffalo Bills. I mean, we saw something similar to that in Buffalo when McDermott and Bean first came over. You know, there was that uh, Carolina to Buffalo pipeline. You had, mm-hmm. obviously, Star Latula Josh Norman, Kelvin Benjamin, Vernon Butler. I'm probably missing somebody, but that was a thing, you know, for a while. Yeah, and you know, it's it's completely possible that the Giants will... Obviously, okay, it's not completely possible. It is 100% confirmed that the Giants will look at the Buffalo Bills roster when they're, you know, dumping yep. players uh, throughout the next 24 hours, uh, you know, with cut-down day coming tomorrow. That It's 100% possible. They, they're going to do it. There's no doubt in my mind they wouldn't. Um, but it's the question is, how many do you want to bring on? I mean, I get it. Some of these Bills players kind of know how the Brian Dable, Joe Shane department is kind of ran, you know, because Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have done things so long for so long, and they've done it their way. And obviously Joe Shane and Brian Dable took, you know, notes from that. But it's not all the same. Like, you know, Brian Dable's got, you know, stuff from Alabama, uh, New England. He's with the Jets, the Dolphins, et cetera. Like, he's, he's played, he's coached on a lot of teams. So he's going to take all that experience and make it his own. So as much as it is the quote-unquote Sean McDermott tree, 
it's also Brian Dable's new beginning in his own mindset and philosophy and findings into what he's going to be preaching as a, a new first-year NFL head coach. Uh, but, yeah, I get it. I mean, Jamil Douglas, like we mentioned him, and Elijah Griffin, like these are players. David Sills, these are players that have, you know, played uh, for the Buffalo Bills organization within the past few years. So it'll be interesting to see what they uh, really do here as cut down day uh, really gets going. David Sills had a really good preseason for the Giants, and their game against, oh, it was the comeback game. It was week two. I can't remember who the opponent was, but, no, it was the Bengals. No, he made a couple nice catches. Him and the uh, Danny Dimes were hooking up. They had a couple nice completions. I mean, who do we, who do we have that the Giants would even want? I mean, maybe another cornerback. Kumaro. Yeah, if Kumaro leaks out there, I'm betting he's gone. I mean, I don't. I mean, I really don't know though. Like the Giants' receiving core is is pretty. It's horrible. Deep. Yeah, but it, it's it's pretty deep. Like. Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Wandell Robinson. You're keeping those guys over Jake Kumro. It's not even a question. Sterling Shepard. You're keeping him over Jake Kumro. It's not even a question. You're not keeping Darius Slayton over Darius Slayton. I, I'm keeping Darius Slayton. He's he he is rumored for trading right. Yeah, now. but he's a big play threat. Like uh... Jake Kumro is too safe. You have your your safe receiver in Sterling Shepard. You know. Like, I'm, you're not bringing Jake Coomer on for that. Well, let's say you want to get rid of that cap because they have the most expensive wide receiver room in the league, and they've done and nothing. one of the least productive. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of that's to Kenny Galladay. And injuries. Right. Like, Sterling Shepard gets injured, like, every year. But still, that's a problem. Exactly. It's plague. So why, why not try to get rid of some of that money problem? Antonio Williams. I don't know if you mentioned him either. Yep. Yeah, we, we did. did. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, why not? Try to send somebody who's worth that money, like a Sterling Shepard or a Darius Lane, who's at the bottom of your wide receiver room, and bring in somebody that you know from Buffalo who's big in size, who can catch the ball, who doesn't get hurt much, plays special teams. He has a lot of upsides to him. So it's really just, does Shine think he can work out a deal with somebody to get rid of one of the wide receivers, to bring in one of the Buffalo receivers? Yeah, I'm not too sure about that overall, about the whole, you know, what do you want to call it? The whole, you know, Jake Kumarell thing going to Buffalo. If there was a player, man, it, I, it, it would probably be a tight end, to be honest. Um, I think the Giants still have a little question at the tight end room. I know mm-hmm. what they brought in. Who did they bring in? I'm trying to remember. Wait, Kyle Rudolph? Or am I, no, I got that wrong. Wrong impression. No, they got was... a couple of rookies. They got one kid, Bellinger, I think. He had a drop in that uh, week two preseason game against the Bengals that resulted in a Daniel Jones interception, bounced off his hands and into the hands of Dax Hill, I think. And they got another guy, Austin Allen, big guy, 6'8", I think, out of Nebraska. But I don't think they brought anyone in via free agency. Obviously, they lost Evan Ingram. So, yeah, no, yeah, I'm trying sense. to uh, Kyle Rudolph is with the Bucks. Mm, right he was there. he was with the Giants last year. Yes. Him and Evan Ingram were that tight end duo. But yeah, you know Daniel Bellinger, and you know is you mentioned he's a rookie, and you know he's got some upside. But get another safe option in there. Obviously, the Bills are not going to be able to keep uh, uh, Tommy Sweeney and Quentin Morris. Bring in one of those guys. Those guys are very solid players. They're reliable. Um, overall, maybe maybe they bring in a guy like Greg Van Rotten. Maybe Greg Van Rotten doesn't make the roster, and Greg Van Rotten squeaks out to the Giants. Uh, like you never know. You, you, you really just don't know. Alec Anderson, maybe uh, Tanner Owen. 
if the Bills decide to keep their rookie tackle, Luke Tanetta, maybe the Giants see value in that. We don't know. Uh, Defensive-wise, the Giants don't have you know the cra- craziest interior defensive tackles. Maybe they, they take a swing on Brandon Bryant or Eli Ngonku, who has played very well. Both of them have played very exceptionally well in preseason. But there might be a shot where they don't make the roster. There, there's a world where those two guys might not be on the Bills' final 53. Maybe they get a call up to the Giants' final 53. You never know. Uh, Cornerback-wise, maybe Nick McLeod. I don't know if Nick McLeod's going to make the roster. We, he might not make the roster. Uh, linebacker, Joe Giles-Harris. He's a key, name to keep an eye on. But, you know, that's what I think it, about it overall. Going back to the uh, the tight end room, I mean, seems like most of us think that it's, you know, either Tommy Sweeney or Quentin Morris for the tight end three job. But I've seen rumblings that maybe O.J. Howard could get released. What are you guys, how are you feeling about that? I would rather see him get traded in my mind, you know, maybe get a seventh or a sixth. Just get a lousy pick for him. I Because... It, it's scary to me that he was playing that deep into the Carolina game, that he was going into that fourth quarter and he's still in there. That's not usually good to see, mm-hmm. um, especially when Morris uh, was making plays during this preseason, but he did hurt himself today in practice. So that may save O.J. Howard just a bit, depending on how bad Morris is hurt. But... You've had Sweeney for a long time. I think you keep him. He's still, you know, he's a good number two. He looks better at his blocking skills. Um, Really, it's either Morris or Howard in my mind now. I I think Sweeney has earned his spot. Yeah, I think think Howard's a lock for this roster. If you think otherwise, then I I just don't know what to tell you. He looked good in his preseason outing against the Denver Broncos with the three targets that he had. He made three good catches one was just a little solid four yard catch uh overall he had that nice catch for a touchdown against the broncos but you saw what he can do um as a field stretcher and his big six foot six tight end uh body and he's also been solid in the run game as well as a run blocker so he can block he brings that to the table he's blocking and if he's blocking well enough for you with the receiving upside that just wipes the floor with tommy sweeney right these guys probably are the same same level of blockers, but as a receiver, as a receiver, it's not even a question. You're giving O.J. Howard the knock over Tommy Sweeney. He does so many things better than Tommy Sweeney as a receiver, and that's not a knock on Tommy Sweeney. That's just saying O.J. Howard can do certain things certain tight ends can't do in the NFL, and that's why you'd want to keep him on the roster. Plus, you gave him $3.6 million in guaranteed money. That's not a small contract. The Bills obviously paid O.J. Howard to come here and fulfill a certain role. And that certain role is to be the tight end two on this team. In 12 personnel sets, in 13 and 22 personnel sets, O.J. Howard is going to be your secret weapon. And I don't know exactly how they're going to roll him out on the field. I don't know how they're going to fully utilize him. I don't think they fully utilized him throughout training camp preseason. We haven't seen him that much with Josh in live game action. I want to see what he's going to do with number 17 throwing the football. I don't care what he does with Case Keenum and Matt Barkley. Because at the end of the day, Josh Allen's going to be the one getting those guys the football. And O.J. Howard is a six foot six tight end that has downfield speed and that can separate with that 
And a guy like Josh Allen's going to be able to get him the football. No knock to Keenum or Barkley. Those guys aren't getting him the football the way Josh Allen's going to get him the football. Yeah, that's my thing with O.J. Howard is just, you know, gamble on the upside. I mean, you've got a guy that's, you know, been productive in the NFL, albeit I think a little underutilized in Tampa Bay, but he's shown that, you know, he can be productive and, you know, just being a guy as big as he is, you know, 6'6", 240, 250, and, you know, could potentially be a mismatch. You know, speed-wise for linebackers and size-wise for safeties, I mean, that's just, having that upside is just something you gamble on. All right, Double D, any last thoughts before we go to break here? Uh, I have a fun fact. All right, let's hear it. Hey. The Browns have not won a week one game since 2004. <laughs> they are 1-21-1 one, and and one in yeah. week one since returning to the NFL in 1999. That's my fun fact for today. Yeah, and that's probably not that's uh, probably not going to change this year, I would reckon. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, I know Mr. Harrington wanted to talk a little bit about Tua Tungabailoa, so we can do that and uh, whatever else comes to our mind. And, of course, if you, uh, the listeners out there, if you guys got any suggestions on what we should talk about, then just call us. 878-5104 is the number. But for now, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back after these messages on 91.3 FM WBNY. Our NFL Network studio's got a game break. Philly and Miami, Tua first play. Knew it was going to happen. Tua, by the way, 3-3 passing, 72 yards, and a touchdown. All right, that was uh, the main man there, Tua Tungavailoa in the uh, preseason finale for the Miami Dolphins, had a hookup there with Tyreek Hill. We like to, you know, dunk on Tua a little bit here in Buffalo. Uh, and I know you, Double D, but Mr. Harrington, you're the one that proposed this to me uh, before we got started here. You wanted to talk a little bit about Tua. Yeah, um, Tua Tungarailoa. Um, obviously, Tanner played the intro clip there, talking about the Tua 55-yard pass to some said receiver who has given our Buffalo Bills a little bit, I would say a little bit of trouble in the past, uh, definitely with a different team and a different quarterback. But nonetheless, that receiver is now in the AFC East, and that receiver that Tua completed a 55-yard pass to against the Eagles this past week's preseason game finale was Tyreek Hill. People are dogging on the throw again by, by Tua. And I just want to say before I get into this, Tua did have a press conference after the game and just basically admitted he wished he led Tyreek more with that throw. And I get it, you know. Uh, you know, you wish every throw in the NFL could be perfect. You wish you can hit guys in stride, right on the numbers, the perfect ball placement every throw. But that's not realistic, right? Not every throw is going to be beautiful. Not every throw is going to be 100%. But nonetheless, Tua hooked up with Tyreek Hill for a 55-yard completion. And the biggest knock on Tua... It's not his accuracy. It's his ability to throw the football downfield. People knock Tua Tungabailoa for his arm strength. People say, you're not going to get big plays with Tua. Well, 55 yards seems like a big play to me. Am I wrong? Against the twos and threes. But but it, but, but Tyree kills burning anybody. That, that play is going against anybody. Not always. Well, I mean, you're not stopping Tyree. So... You're, you're telling me there, Darius Slay wouldn't have a good chance to stop Tyreek Hill? Darius Slay got burned in practice by Tyreek Hill. He literally fell. That's practice. Yeah, That's he, not game. He, but, but he fell. He literally guarded him one-on-one -on -one and fell. That happens all the time. Have you not seen the yeah, but, DeAndre Hopkins clip where he yeah, but Dan, it's breaks Tyree the guy's Hill. ankles? Dan, it's, it's Tyreek Hill. 
the fastest human being in the NFL. No, that's Micah Parsons if you watched the Pro Bowl run. But Tyreek Hill is the fastest individual as of right now in the NFL. And he went past a corner that was guarding him, burned him, and then ran against the, ran past the safety that was playing over the top on him. Mm-hmm. And still had about a step and a half of separation. And I get it. The throw wasn't beautiful, but it's a 55-yard big play completion. To who? Tyree Kill. The guy that's given the Bills problems. This is what I want to segue in. People aren't looking at the Dolphins enough, man. With that system, with Mike McDaniels, as the new head coach, coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree, it's giving me a lot of running the football and a lot of quick-hitting passes. Mm-hmm. And who do they have at their Speed receiver Speed demons. Speed Even demons. their running backs. Look at all, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. Like, yeah. These are all like 4-3 guys. And then all, the receiving core with Hill and Waddle. If they're healthy. And Mike Gusecki. I mean, if they're healthy. I mean, there's nothing telling me they're not going to be healthy, though. Like Jalen Waddle broke the rookie reception record last year in 16 games. Tyree Kill. The most explosive player in football on that roster. Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Arguably two of the top ten most explosive running backs. Whoa. Explosive, yeah. They're going a little far there. What do you mean? Like, explosive. Like, they're explosive players. Look, I like Mostert as the next guy, but he's probably not anything like his former self. Yeah, but, I mean, he's an explosive player. He runs well in those Kyle Shanahan schemes. Like, when it's open zone motion running... He plays well. Mike Kosicki, one of the most athletic, freakly dominated tight ends in football. The guy might not be a great blocker, but he's basically a wide receiver playing the the tight end position. And all I'm saying is, you cannot down you cannot downplay Tua Tagovailoa here. He has too many weapons to work with, and he's too accurate of a quarterback. And he's, he he is in a pass happy, friendly system where he's going to be hitting a lot of quick hitters underneath to guys like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. He's going to have a nice running game, and when that quote-unquote big play comes up, he's accurate enough to get the ball downfield. You know, it's not crazy arm strength that he possesses, but he's still a solid enough quarterback to find the right read and hit his guy. It might not be full in stride, but he's going to do it. And this is the thing. I think we've been so accustomed to, to guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Rodgers, uh, Stafford, etc. That when we see a guy like Tua, we just dog on him because it, it's the quote-unquote factor, oh, you need to have the strongest arm in today's game, today's day and age in the NFL to be a an elite quarterback. I think that's farther, farther from the truth. That That is so, so wrong in so many levels. Like, you see some of the guys who are not, again, the elite quarterbacks, but who are still good. I'm just going to name some quarterbacks with not some of the greatest arm strength, but they still get by. Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott. These guys, Lamar Jackson, these guys all don't have elite arms, but they're still good enough quarterbacks. Mac Jones, who guy who doesn't have good arm strength. He has average arm strength. Got the Patriots to the playoffs last year. You see what you want about him, but he got I mean, him to the playoffs. I guess he was the signal caller. I mean, I would say it was more on the run game and defense, but, but yeah, but he's I, the quarterback. I agree with that statement. <laughs> but again, he was the quarterback. And could we say Tua might be a better prospect than Mac Jones? Right? Like you would you would agree Tua is a better prospect than Mac Jones? Yeah, I no. would say so. In in the right system, Tua can prosper. Tua can become the best version of himself. I'm not saying that's a top ten quarterback, 
but that is still a quarterback that can do damage with the weapons he has around him. I'm just saying, like, we should not downplay Tua Tungabailoa. And I'm only saying that because that 55-yard pass against the Dol- or against the Eagles, I get it. Against second, third stringers, whatever. Uh, he didn't hit him in stride, but it's a 55-yard completion he hit because he has the weapon of Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill can play with any quarterback. He will make any quarterback look better. He's going to make Tua look 10 times better than he is right now. And Tua's accurate enough to get him the football. He's not some slouch. He can throw the football. He doesn't have the crazy arm strength, but he's accurate enough to get his playmakers the football, especially in space. I think my thing with Tua is, um, you know, with the AFC being the arms race that it is, you know, is he going to be able to, you know, keep up in some of these shootouts with, you know, some of these guys? If, you know, he's in like a, like a 49-42 game against like Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes. Is he going to be able to keep pace? I'm not entirely certain. And on that note, we're losing uh, Evan Harrington. It was uh, good to have him for the first 45 minutes, but you know he's he got, got the, a class. Yeah, he got the whole the the whole school thing. I know yeah. we we like to do the the radio stuff here, but obviously school comes first and foremost. So unfortunately, he's got to bounce. But Dan. How would you uh you follow that up? Because you made it known you're not a Tua oh. guy. You're hot. Oh, I can follow it up, Tanner. Jimmy Garoppolo will be their quarterback midseason. So I I still believe that in my mind, I still believe that Jimmy Garoppolo will be rela- uh, replacing Tua at some point during the season. Uh, once uh, John Lynch probably decides to release him, because I think he's owed a lot of guaranteed money tomorrow. Uh, if he makes the roster, and they're not going to want to pay that. So I think they're going to just release him if they can't find a trade partner. But you look at the first four games of the Miami Dolphins season. Patriots, Ravens, Bills, Bengals. Four of the top AFC AFC teams. Yes, Ravens had an off year. They had injuries. They're coming back in tuition. Lamar's back. Lamar destroyed the Dolphins in the past that one year where they were supposedly tanking, um, even though they didn't tank overall. But um, you'll learn a lot about Tua in these four games. And, you know, let's say they put up a fight against the Bills. Then maybe you got to start to think, oh, maybe this Tua guy ain't that bad. But until I see that Tua isn't scared, because I believe Tua is a bad QB for this reason and this reason only. It's not his arm strength. It's not his accuracy. It's not that he can't roll out and make a play. He gets scared once there's pressure. I get a lot of other QBs do that too. They get scared of the blindside hit and, you know, whatever's coming at them. But also a lot of them who are good QBs learn to avoid it. They learn to step up. They are okay with taking a hit. Allen, Rodgers, Brady. Brady hasn't been hurrying like the last 10 years. His bones are probably all like cracked and he, nobody even knows about it. Like he's probably he's probably been taking cocaine, uh, like some drug just to like make his arms and his bones better just so he doesn't get hurt. But if Tua wants to be become like a top 10 QB in this league, He's going to have to learn to deal with the pressure. Like last year against the Bills, he got hurt really early in that game because of sacks. And that is because of the offensive line. Miami kind of sort of improved it. They tweaked it. They signed Teron Armstead, who's a great offensive tackle. Mm -hmm. He used to be with the Saints. Mm -hmm. And they signed um, 
I, I am blanking on the name. I have it right here, though. Connor Williams from mm, Dallas Cowboys. Right, yeah. um, he had 11 starts at left guard. So your left side's all packed up. But guess who's on the right? Von Miller. Against right, guys last year who allowed 30-plus pressures. 20-plus pressures, you know, in case mm-hmm. if there's any guy below that 30 mark. Um, but you got to think, a lot of these teams have good pass rushers. Steelers, when they face them, T.J. Watt, what are you going to do there? Mm-hmm. Um, Bengals have Trey Hendrickson. Right. Really good year for him last year. Vikings always have good defensive ends because of Mike Zimmer, even though it's a new coach. But if he learns to maybe – use the pressure as an advantage for him to maybe get that ball out earlier, to maybe do something with the ball to extend the play, he could become a top 10 QB. But right now, I don't see it. I don't think anything that Tua has done has been good for his career. You know, they're trying. They're trying real hard. Uh, But, you know, this is make or break year. This is the big year. If Mm -hmm. they don't do well, I honestly believe he'll be uh, in a QB battle next year, and it's going to be him versus, I don't know, what's a QB that will be out there maybe next year? I would say Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he retired. Well, I mean, uh, you got Bryce Young coming out of Alabama in the draft. Right. Who knows what happens with Lamar Jackson's contract situation. Maybe, you know, and he said he's going to, you know, table negotiations once the regular season comes and they and won't negotiate again to the offseason, but maybe something falls through there and he requests a trade or just leaves in free agency. I mean, I know Kyler Murray just signed the extension, but things, you know, were a little tense for a while there between him and the Cardinals organization. I still have no idea what that was. The whole independent study clause thing was just Oh, ridiculous. that was so stupid. That was so stupid. Why would you ever put that in there? As if I said it, you know, when we talked about this, but you don't become, you know, I'm not saying Kyler Murray's like top five, but he's, you know, he's floating around top ten if he's not inside the top ten. You don't get that good of an NFL quarterback on accident. Like, you don't just stumble out onto the field and, you know, do what Kyler Murray's able to do. You Clearly, you have to, you know, watch some amount of film. So that was just a slap in the face. And that, you know, came after, you know, there was a report after the playoff game that he was, like, self-centered and a finger pointer. So there's more than a handful of people in that Cardinals organization that uh, don't think very fondly of Kyler Murray for whatever reason. And who knows, even though he just signed that extension, maybe, you know, if they have another hot start and then just completely fall off and get bounced in the playoffs early, then maybe Murray gets upset and wants out. I don't think he'll finish that contract in Arizona. I think he'll get moved at some point, just the way the relationship between him and the organization has been. So maybe that's a thing, but... uh, who knows? Miami. It's all if, in the future. Yep. Yeah, if two is not the guy, then I mean, maybe something strange. Something got to change. The thing right, about yeah. the NFL is anything can change at the drop of a hat. So, but uh, we got to see how Tua plays this year before you know we jump to any conclusions about Miami's quarterback room. So, all right, where are we headed to next? I say one thing I wanted to talk about was. Josh Allen's placement on the top 100 players. The that, worst that list came ever. Last night. Yeah, that was the worst list ever. That was pretty bad. 13. 13. And how are you, uh, did you see what Evan uh, Depot tweeted? 
Um, I saw he tweeted something. I can't remember exactly what it was. He I tweeted think. if Tom Brady got number one, he was going to throw up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and um, right as the NFL released who the number two was, who was Aaron Donald, I, I instantly hit reply, you better run to that toilet, yeah. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he, I put in a hashtag Tom Brady. It had a little goat with the 12 on it. And then he said... That's not my goat. Why is that there? I'm like, Evan, are you supposed to be in the bathroom throwing up? Like, come on, man. But um, I I agree. It, they really got to change this list because uh, we talked about this before, what they could probably make, do to make it better. But uh, I think I even say in the group chat, like Moano should have made it. Or, you know, another, like... um. I forget who else I said. Uh, maybe uh, Edmonds or somebody along the line. Oliver, Ed Oliver probably could have made it. He had a good year. Uh, and I'm talking like low hundred, like mm-hmm. 90s here. I'm not talking like 50 above. But they got to rename the list. They, they got – if it's top players of 2022, it should be players most feared of in 2022. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, not the hundred best, right? Yeah, because if I'm thinking a hundred best, I'm just going off this season because you say of 2022, right? Not whole career. I'm not thinking Tom Brady because he won seven Super Bowls, has the MVPs, blah 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 blah. Go on about him for an hour, but uh, could be a mass singer man, uh, but. Honestly, I just think that they they either need to find a new way to like make other people recognize their for their accomplishments because Kirk Cousins should have been placed above Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm looking at stats, but that's what you got to do. You're looking for the top 100 each year. So top 100 players each year. You probably take top 10 in each position, put them in a list somewhere. Yeah, that's probably what you ask. Maybe give like 15 of East positions and players vote on their like top 10. Mm-hmm. And then you do like an average there and you kind of do whatever math that needs to be worked out. But that would be better than me because then you take at least 15 out of 32 teams. So almost half. You could even do 16 to get to half if you really wanted to. So half of the league's best players uh, each position would be in the running and if you don't make it then you're like one of the six who was outside of it not like oh yeah I didn't make it because this guy has Super Bowls but didn't do anything well this year uh this guy did something this year I don't know what it was Derrick Henry had a good rushing year last year but was hurt for half of the season this year and somehow placed ahead of Josh Allen how does that happen NFL how does that work when somebody plays for almost half a season? How does that make it so better than somebody who only played? I I can't even speak because of how mad I am. Mm-hmm. I like Allen played the full season, didn't get hurt, didn't do anything bad, had great stats, and you're telling me Derrick Henry's better with eight games less than Allen? Yeah. How does that work? 
that was pretty bad. The list, in case any of uh, any of y'all out there haven't seen it yet, so we'll just start at number thirteen. Josh Allen, which that in itself was funny because I didn't realize this, but the voting takes place before the playoffs because like oh, does you, it really? Yep, that's part of it. That helps explain part of it because if you factor in the playoffs, then Josh Allen is top five easily. He oh yeah, literally had the perfect postseason last year. The only thing that stopped him was a bleeping coin toss. I mean, if you factor in the playoffs, he's top five easily. I mean, I think now he has the highest, you know, playoff passer rating in NFL history. But, uh, yeah, that's yeah. part of why he's number 13 is because this the voting took place around the same time as Pro Bowl val- balloting, so well before the playoffs. But uh, at number 12, right above Josh Allen, was Derrick Henry, which, as Dan mentioned, he only played eight games last year. And, you know, for eight games, he, he didn't have that bad of a season. Let's see. If my fat Vienna sausage fingers can pull it up on my computer here. <laughs> I think he had 1,600 yards. Just under 1,000 rushing. He had 937. Oh, and, so he even had less. Yeah, then 10 touchdowns. But I thought he did like half of like Jonathan Taylor, and I'm that wrong. That's bad. And then let's see, receiving, he had 18 catches for a buck 54. So 1,000 total yards. I mean, that's a good season, but... Like you said, he played eight games, you know, part of being, I would say, you know, part of being a top 100 player is being on the field. And sure, it might have been a freak injury. He couldn't control it, but that's a bit of a stretch to have him above uh, Josh Allen. Number 11, Miles Garrett. I mean, he didn't mm. have that great of a season. That's more name, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, not uh, numbers wise, but, you know, certainly an impactful player. Number 10, Travis Kelsey. I mean, maybe I can see that because he was the best player at his position last year, so that's fair. I think, you know, the guys that, you know, should be 1 through 10 should be the guys that are the best, you know, at their respective position. Number 9 was Jalen Ramsey. Number 8 was Patrick Mahomes. I would make the argument that you could maybe, you know, flip Allen with Mahomes because they had very comparable seasons. I mean, they're... uh, See here, Tanner has uh, the stats all yeah, on his computer. I put them all in, ex- in an Excel spreadsheet because I wanted to see how <laughs> bad they wronged Josh. So, um, Mahomes had 27 more completions, 12 more attempts than Allen. His completion percentage was 2.9 points higher. He had 400 more passing yards, one more touchdown, two less interceptions. Um, Allen was pressured way more. That's the thing is like Allen's stats are comparable to these guys, but he played behind the worst offensive line out of any of them. Like Mahomes was sacked more than Allen, two more times more than Allen, even though Allen really? was blitzed. Allen was blitzed 70 more times than Mahomes. He oh, was, my God. He was hurried 19 times more than Mahomes. He was hit six more times than Mahomes, pressured 23 more times than Mahomes. The percentage of his dropbacks he was pressured on was 25.7% compared to 22.1% for Mahomes. And then if you factor in total yards, so you bring in the rushing, then you know Mahomes only has 50 more yards than Allen, and Allen has three more touchdowns than Mahomes. So I would say maybe Mahomes was the slightly more efficient passer than Allen, but you have to obviously, you know, factor in Allen's rushing. That's a huge part of his game. So I would make the argument that you could flip Allen and Mahomes. But anyway, number seven, Devontae Adams. Eh, I would like to see Allen over him because I think Allen is, you know, he's maybe let's we'll say Devontae Adams maybe the second best player at his position but Allen plays the more important position it's the most important position in all of sports you know quarterbacks I think Allen 
probably should have been above Devontae Adams at seven. Number six, you got T.J. Watt. That's fine. He's, you know, the best edge rusher in the league. Number five, Jonathan Taylor. I'm fine with that. Best running back in the league. Four, Cooper Cup. I'm fine with that. Three, Aaron Rodgers. He should be. He should have been number one over Tom Brady, if you ask really? me. Really? Yep. I would have thought Cooper Cup would have been number one. And the only reason for that is because he had the triple crown. And, and I get it, he didn't break Megatron's record, but I think he said in like a press conference, I don't want to beat it in eight, 17 games. I would rather beat it in the 16 than 17, uh, because then it doesn't have that little asterisk to it to say, done in 17. Um, but to be a triple crown winner, that's hard. Not many wide receivers do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I get QB's most important position. But you can make an argument that the only reason the Rams won the Super Bowl was because of Cooper Cup. I uh, I do want to come back to this, but we got to take a break right now. We will uh, resume this discussion here momentarily here. You are listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY Buffalo, Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee. We will be right back after these messages. What about yourself? What is your best trait in your opinion? The best trait? I, I hate talking about myself, um, but I, I, I constantly just say that I'm a football player. Hey, let's finish! Let's go! Let's finish! Well, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help our team win a football game, whether that's lowering my shoulder on a third down or jumping over somebody. Whatever my team asks me to do is what I'm willing to do. That was the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Allen, in his uh, interview for the NFL Top 100 Players of 2022. That's what he had to say about himself, and uh, that's what we're still talking about here. Just disgraceful, number 13. So let's see. We got to number three, which is Aaron Rodgers. I misspoke. I said I should put him number one swap with Brady. No, the number one player in the NFL, in my mind, is Aaron Donald. It's been that way, you know, in years past, and I think it should have been that way this year. I mean, he's the most dominant defensive player in football. I mean... You know, I know T.J. Watt got double-teamed a lot last year, but what guy gets double-teamed, even triple-teamed consistently as, as much as Aaron Donald? So until he retires or is just clearly not the same player, I think it should be that way every year. Aaron Donald should be the number one. If I was going to reorder this whole thing, I'd say A.D. number one, Rodgers number two, and then Cup three, Taylor four, Watt five, maybe Allen Six, um, seven Mahomes, eight Ramsey, nine Kelsey, and then I think you go Adams at ten. Wow, so you have Brady falling out of the top ten. Yep, let's see. I'd probably put Brady... At, like, what, 11, 12? I think somewhere. 12. You put Miles... Or, no, if you have... Who did I say at 10? Um, uh, 10 is Devontae Adams, you said. Yep, so then 11, I think... Stay Miles Garrett, then probably put Brady at 12, and then Henry 13, and then, you know, so right, on and yeah, so the forth. Rest. Uh, I can pretty much agree with that. That's not really. I, I mean, who, who who else than Aaron Donald practices with guys with uh, the fake gloves with knives in them? <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah. remember that video. And you're like, what is this guy doing? Like, who else does this? Uh, because he is a different breed of defensive tackle. I mean, I was kind of hoping he was going to retire. 
in my mind, just because I knew if he didn't retire, it may have, uh, because I thought from the beginning it was going to be Bills versus Rams. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I think everybody had that, like, yeah, this is pretty much too marketable to miss out. And, you know, I would like, I, I wanted Aaron Donald to go just for like a week, just to do a Brady, retire for a week, come back the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, he almost did that. He almost did that mm-hmm. with the contract situation, but they figured that out. Um, it's not that. I don't like Aaron Donald. I never met the guy. He probably says nice things about me. And I, <laughs> I'll say nice things about him too. Uh, but if you're looking at the Bills offensive line, you're a little scared. Just a tad scared. Mm-hmm. Because you got Donald and Bobby, Bobby Wagner there. Um, and though the Wagner is no, no pushover. He's still a really good tackler. Um, so. And then you've got... Uh... Not only Aaron Donald and him, but you got Greg Gaines, you got Leonard Floyd. So, yeah, they still got a really good front seven. Like I said, you know, after the Denver game, it was nice to see that, you know, we were just, you know, running the ball on them like a, like running a hot knife through butter. But, you know, we'll and see. And then Carolina, how that... it all went downhill. <laughs> yeah, we'll Everything see. Everything went downhill up. in that game. Uh huh. We'll see how that all uh, holds up when we face an actual front seven and not, you know, the Denver Broncos second and. Uh, third stringers, but that's uh, I. I just needed to say my piece on that. That Josh Allen at number thirteen was positive, absolutely positively ridiculous. There's not twelve better players in the NFL than Josh Allen, but we got that taken care of. So now let's uh, talk about the Buffalo Bills punting battle. Obviously, as much as goaded as Matt Barkley's performance was in that Carolina f- game, two fifty yarders. He had, he had the booming. He had the booming fifty-three yarder to pin him inside the ten-yard line. I think he had a fifty-three and a fifty-five. Mm-hmm. If I remember, I remember the fifty-three because um, it, it only traveled like thirty yards. Yeah, in the they air, just bounced all 20. the way down there. Hey, the, the Panthers guy was like, "What is happening? <laughs> what? Why is the ball still going?" <laughs> as as good of a performance as Matt Barkley's punting job was, there just a bang-up job. Clearly, we cannot have Matt Barkley be the number one punter. Obviously, just a, a real, I know, I would love to see it, just a real a Swiss Army knife. He's the new Taysom Hill at Matt Barkley, except better. <laughs> we already know what he can do as a quarterback, but who knew that he had a cannon for a leg on him. Obviously, a real grimy situation there with uh, with Matt Ariza. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, some people have complained about how it was handled. But th- at the end of the day, McDermott and Bean, as I figured they would, they made, you know, the difficult but necessary uh, move to cut him. So now we're stuck looking for a punter. And there's a couple names out there. One that the Bills have been heavily connected to is the veteran from the Tennessee Titans, Brett Kern, who was informed today by the Titans that uh, they're going to release him. He is up there in age. I think he's like 35, 36, but he is a Grand Island native, so it would be a bit of a homecoming should he uh, come to Buffalo. And, you know, he uh, lost out. They got, you know, a big rookie down there. I think Ryan Stonehouse is his name. He's got a big yep. leg that beat him out in camp. So uh, that's a name that's... That was pretty much decided, too. It was funny. Mm -hmm. I looked. There's, like, an article uh, by someone, but it it basically talked about the top five punters that are available, you know, after the release of Mazaria. And um, this is by 
NewYorkUp.com, NYUP.com, if you guys want to check it out at home. Uh, but basically, the first thing on there is just Brett Kern. <laughs> it, it's not even like t- Titan ba- uh, Battle, Brett Kern versus Stonehouse. They they mentioned Stonehouse and like, oh yeah, well, if he does get released, they'll look at him well. But then the very next like option is loser of Kevin Huber versus Drew Chrisman competition. So you're telling me that Kern was already decided to be gone. You're just telling me it was already like, yeah, he's done. Like I feel bad for the guy, but um, I mean he was a he was at the Pro Bowl games two years uh for or three years, 2017 to 2019, and then two time All Pro. Um, which is very good for a punter. Uh, he's 36 now. But if you look at a lot of the other punters the Bills are looking looking at, they're all a lot older, too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, we talked uh there's Jake Shroom, who is actually a Buffalo State Bengal punter. He played here for one year. Uh, that has made... Him, the front runner here for us uh, to win the job because then we can say Buff State has a punter in the NFL again uh, because he did play with the Packers in the past, uh, but he hasn't kicked in an NFL game in about five years. <laughs> uh, so it's a little worrying there. But, you know, the, the good thing in Shum is that he has kicked in snow, which is a huge thing as we get into you're thinking Bills, you're thinking January, December, uh, February games. So it's like you kind of need that guy to punt snow, especially if you're thinking Bills are going to get one seed, Bills are going to be at home. What happens when you're at home here? It snows. It, instead of when it rains, it pours. When it snows, it snows. Um, but there's also a lot of other guys who came out. Marquette King, who's a little bit of a drama queen in my opinion. Uh, he, he has time with the Raiders and a little bit with the Broncos uh, for a tiny bit. But he's a excitable guy. He can get the crowd riled up. But I don't know if he's a locker room guy. And after this whole situation, you kind of need somebody who's a locker room guy. Yeah, that's the last thing we want. We don't want the, the punter being the dark cloud right, hanging you don't over a Super go Bowl like, contending team. Yeah, you don't want to go like two weeks in and then you get – Wow, this guy is a real toxic uh, locker room guy. Do we have to go find another punter after two weeks of finding a new punter? No. Um, but there's a lot more punters coming out as the cutdown day gets uh, closer and closer. The timer getting closer and closer to done. Um, it's about 24 hours now away from the end of the cutdown uh, just for everybody at home. But... The Bills are going to be looking. They're going to fly people in. They're going to fly people out. They're going to sign somebody. You know, I bet they'll get down to, instead of 53, I'll bet they go to 52. Just because they need a spot for a punter. You're, you're not going to have Matt Barkley punting against the Rams, no matter how much I want to see it. No matter how much I want to see a QV punter hybrid. I mean, that was just... That was that was legendary, man. Just shout out to Matt Barkley. I mean, I know. Sure, come on a, the show. Come I, on the show, Matt Barkley. We would love to talk to you. That's the new punk god named Matt right there is Matt Barkley. I mean, hey, you got to tip your cap. You know, that's 
unfortunately, I hate to say it, he's probably not going to make the roster, maybe put him on the practice squad, but that's the type of stuff that, you know, coaches look for that can be the difference between you getting cut is making the roster just you know obviously it was a tough situation the bills were kind of you know stuck between a rock and a hard place because you know the allegations came out you know the day before the game it's not like you can just sign a punter right the day before so you know he stepped up and you know did what the team needed him to do and you know for and you saw how happy the team was oh yeah oh my god they were all congratulating him like dapping him up like you punted man (laughs) like that's something you can put on your uh, your resume whenever. But yeah, he'll. They're probably gonna do what they did with like David Fails, you know, release him, bring him back, have him be like a special QB coach. You know, mm-hmm. he's just there on the sidelines helping Allen. Allen loves Matt Barkley too much to mm-hmm. say, you know, you're you're gonna release him full on. He's been with like three different teams over the past two years. Nobody's going to pick him up. There is no doubt about it, as if it was, you know, in consideration beforehand. But Matt Barkley is the coolest, most interesting third-string quarterback in the world. I mean, he had Bill's Mafia by the heart, you know, when he was doing the thing with his jacket against the Steelers and they were playing the the Renegade song. And, you know, now this, the legend of Matt Barkley just continues to grow. But... Uh, looking at the at punters for the Bills, perhaps Kern is the name that sticks out. Last year, he punted 47 times for 2,105 yards. He had a long of 59. So even though you know he's 36, he's still got a decent enough leg on him. Had a 44.8 average yards per punt, which is better than Hawk, but uh, pretty much everyone had a higher you know, yards per punt average than Matt Hawk last year. Um, Marquette King is the other guy. That was the guy that originally. I was, you know, on the train for. I would have liked to seen him because, you know, like Dan said, he's kind of a for a a punter, kind of a flamboyant guy. Um, he had in his last game action, which was in 2018 for Denver, he punted 20 times for 881 yards, had a long of 66, 44.1 average yards per punt. And then, you know, some other guys like Jake Shum. I had no idea that he was a Buffalo State alum until Dan told me here today. I'm like, oh, well, say no more. I wasn't sure about him. I saw that he was, you know, campaigning real hard for it on social media. But once Dan dropped that that double D bomb on me, I thought, all right, sign me up. That's all I need to hear. Jake Shum, welcome to the squad. You know, it's also funny because you mentioned social media. Guess who else came out and said, I want to be back punting for the Buffalo Bills? Former Buffalo Bill punter, I'll give you that. Hmm. Was it Mormon? Yeah. No At way. 46 years old, he wants to come back into the league and punt for no the Bills way. again. I'm like, bro, they, they're signing up for the punter retirement home. Like, they are finding the most out-of-place, not NFL-ready guys who have been, like, out of the league for multiple years it's so funny to see. It's like you never thought they would be in this position, and now it's just funny to see them in this position because of how many people that are campaigning for it. Hey, I mean, for what it's worth, you know, he last played at the age of 37 in 2013, but his longest punt that season was 62. Now, his yards per punt average wasn't that great. It was only 41.2, but, hey, if we needed just go out there, just uncork a bomb who knows maybe he could still do it i tell you what though if i was brian mormon after you know getting my bell rung by sean taylor in the pro bowl i'd never want to play football again after that. no, <laughs> no oh my god no more. i'm not doing the this. famous hit 
Oh my god. It's it's just so funny that we are talking punters so much this off season. I I mean I don't even, I I've been invested in this punting battle all off season for some reason. I think that's the only thing that's stuck out to me. I just said, I'm gonna roll with it. Um uh, I I'm kinda happy and unhappy to see it keep going. But, you know, the the wheels keep turning. You think of the next guy to bring on. Oh, there is this guy. The Rams did release him. Uh, Cameron Dicker. His nickname is Kicker Dicker. Yeah, that's right. Dicker that is Kicker. one of the funniest <laughs> nicknames I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be fine for that, too. I saw that, uh, I saw that name. I remember seeing that that name went kind of viral. He's used to kick for the uh, Texas Longhorns. So that's where I first saw that name. But then I saw, you know, resurface a couple of days ago. I'm like, we need that guy. Dude, oh my gosh, there's so many good choices. We can't go wrong. Obviously, <laughs> you know, Kern would be the most logical because he's, you know, the most experienced and probably the best punter of the group. But, I mean, Jake Shum, obviously we have the connection, being a Buff State alum. And Dicker, I mean, oh my goodness, dude. I do not envy Brandon Bean right now. He is got a lot of he's got a hard choice to battle. make holy smokes oh man so uh, many choices so many choices you know what it's, i would it's say... like a buffet it's like what do i do oh new report can i say it sorry i, I know you weren't talking no do we get bre- are we getting some breaking news i, again? I didn't want to like cut you off yeah oh let's hear it uh ryan talbot uh he just tweeted this out mango report Zach Moss, primed to be dealt. Mm-hmm. So that probably means he's going to be traded. Yeah, the I, I mean, primed. Instead of it being a rumor anymore, now you got a report on it. And they, the Bills don't let things leak. That's not like them. Unless if it's actually happening, they don't let things leak. So, uh, Moss, thank you for your time. If you get traded to the Giants in the next five minutes, you know, thank you for your services. If you don't get traded till tomorrow, I'll st- I, uh, thank you for your services tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, we got to give a round of applause for Mr. Harrington. He is uh, yeah, he no longer right. here, but yeah, he mentioned it. I was not even aware that was a thing until he Neither brought it up. I. I need to know who Harrington's sources are. Because, man, he, he called that one, and now... He's you know, on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm, that's all true. the time. Yeah. I, been... Like, sometimes he just retweets stuff that I didn't even know was, like, there. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, I need to follow this guy, so then Evan doesn't take it. I'm like, I want to take it. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, but he called that one, which, hey, like I said, you know, if he were to get traded, I wouldn't be mad at it, because, man, Brandon Bean... He he has a knack for that. We got to shout out Brandon Bean. I mean, this guy could take like you know a piece of chewed up bubble gum and like a string and can turn it into the Hubble Space Telescope with the way that he's able to <laughs> extract value out of some of these guys. Like we thought Cody Ford was just going to be cut, but then he you know turns around and flips him to the Cardinals for you know a twenty twenty three third, which is a far cry fifth, from the fifth. or yeah the. 2023 fifth which is a far cry from you know the 38th overall pick that he was selected with in the draft but for a guy that wasn't part of our long-term future and was going to be cut anyway I mean that's pretty good so you know if he can do that again with Moss here then I would say you know go for it because you know it would be nice to have you know kind of a power back on the roster but you know if Zach Moss 
They don't think he's going to be part of the long-term future. Plus, you know, with running back talent being a dime a dozen the way it is and with the emergence of Raheem Blackshear in the preseason, I think you've seen enough to maybe cut bait and just get value for him. Where do you think he would go if he gets traded? Um, Let's see. That's the big question in my mind. Where would he go? I'm trying to think of every team here. Probably not the Bears because they have – I'll just go team by team because they have right, you know, yeah. Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and even Cohen, but he's not healthy. Uh, maybe the Bengals. I mean, they have Joe Mixon, but then, you know, some unproven guys kind of behind well, him. Well, they which, have Samaj Perine. Oh, oh, that's right. They do have Samaj Perine. All right. So not them. Probably the Broncos, no shot with Melvin Gordon and Javante. Browns, no shot. Uh, Buccaneers, You've got Fournette. How funny would it be, actually, if the Bills did Zach Moss and, let's say, a fourth-round pick for Kareem Hunt? Because, remember, Kareem Hunt wants out of Cleveland. He wants his starting job back instead of being, you know, I I get it. He would still be in a committee here, but he would probably be a long-term starter for the Bills. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or he would at least probably get the – get the lion's share of the touches more so than Singletary or Cook. I mean, that would be interesting. The one thing that would scare me away about Kareem Hunt, though, is the contract situation because, you know, he is on a bit of a larger contract and then we'll probably want, you know, more money as the future goes on. And, you know, like I said, we got, you know, guys in-house that we got to take care of with Knox, Oliver, Edmonds, Poyer. So that would be the only thing that would – scare me away on that but hey football wise that makes sense he would be a great addition to the bills um well it could be just a one-year thing too people rent players mm-hmm. it's not impossible to rent a player and that, well that would align with what uh evan said earlier you know we're pushing all the chips to the center of the table we're going we're going all in let's get a guy you know that has that all pro you know type of talent at the running back position so i mean if it happened i wouldn't be upset that's for sure Let's see. We were at the Buccaneers, Cardinals. They got Connor. That seems kind of redundant to have Moss and Connor. Chargers. Yeah. They don't really. Mm, I mean, they don't really have a backup kind of like power back, which would be a nice compliment to Eckler. So maybe that's a team. But then, would you want to, you know, do do business with someone who figures to be, you know, one of your rivals in the conference? I feel pretty confident that we'll see the Chargers at some point in the postseason. I think the Chargers are going to be very good this year. Yeah, I don't think you trade with the Chargers. I think if you're the Bills, I mean, remember, the Chargers almost beat the Bills with Anthony Lynn just a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. And again, Anthony Lynn was a big screw-up, and that's why they lost the game. But you got to think their defense got better. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, um, you know, Joey Bosa's still there. And Herbert's no joke anymore. You know, he's a great passer. He's got people around him and Mike Evans and – Keenan Allen. So do you really want to give him an extra weapon that could hurt you later in the season? I don't think so. I just thought of a good NFC team, perhaps Philadelphia. I mean, they got Miles Sanders, but they won't. I, uh, I think they got Boston Scott, too, but he's not really, you know, a power back. Not would as, you deal as much as Moss. Ooh, would you deal do a deal with Washington? I, I know they took McKissick, and mm, they're yeah, probably still really ticked there. about it. Mm-hmm. Uh but you got to think, um, Gibson has already been, like, leaked to be special teams guy. What He's are not they even, doing? 
with that. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, to me. I, I don't know what changed in such little time. I don't know if it was. I mean, he does have a big fumbling problem, which could make the reason of why he did. Um, you know, ultimately fall. Did J.D. McKissick like say in his contract, like, "Hey, I want to start." Um, but also Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, mm. He's another running back. He got shot. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, good luck to him. I know he's. It's non-life threatening, and he's currently stable. But you know, all prayers are with him. You know that should have happened. Um, with the carjacking, that's a that's a weird one. Um, but that's nonetheless, all thoughts and prayers are with him. But you know, who knows how long he'll be out? I mean, if I'm thinking, he could have probably. He, he maybe was taking over for Gibson. But, you know, Ron Rivera is still in Washington, no matter how long that is for. Um, you know, there's still that little connection there, no matter how ticked you are at them. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunate with the Brian Robinson. No, doesn't matter, you know, how high status you are or anything. Nobody's immune to that type of thing. I feel like a lot of people forget about this, but Patrick Mahomes got robbed too before, prior to the start of his rookie year. He was involved in a robbery. A guy apparently armed with a knife t- took his wallet off of him. Luckily, they found the guy and got Mahomes' wallet back, but that's just... Oh, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, that guy must feel like the biggest you-know-what on the planet now. Imagine, obviously, it was before Mahomes had even taken a snap in the NFL, but looking back, just imagine trying to rob at knife point Patrick bleeping Mahomes. Like, come on, dude. I know. I think it's weird that people try to, like, rob NFL players. Like, I get some of them are smaller, but it's like if you're going up to a 6'6 guy and you just have a knife and you're like, give me your wallet, you know the dude could crush you <laughs> with, like, one hand? He's 6'6", 200-some pounds, and sometimes I think people are crazy. And, yeah, that's where the world's heading, just crazy. The guy wasn't even that big that robbed Mahomes. I think Mahomes himself described him as, like, a tiny white dude, so he wasn't really that big. It just came, but obviously it doesn't matter, you know, how big or small you are. You pull up on somebody with a knife, then they're not going to – not going to put up much of a fight. All right, let's take a break, and then when we come back, uh, we can talk about maybe our 53-man roster predictions for the Bills. We haven't quite gotten that far yet, so uh, sure. we can do that when we come back here. You are listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY. Don't go away, folks. I'm out of Did you ever try up there, just messing around? Oh, I'll need to. Barkley, that's off the side of his foot, but it gets a nice Buffalo bounce. Wow, a really nice Buffalo bounce. Man, that couldn't have worked out any better for Barkley inside the eight-yard line. And he's going to hear it from his teammates. He should. Panthers are back on offense up 7-0 towards the end of the first. That was from the uh, Carolina Panthers broadcast of the Week Three preseason game. That's right. I had to get get I had to get it in there. All hail Lord Barkley, the new punt god named Matt. That was Barkley's booming 53-yard punt against the uh, Carolina Panthers in the last preseason game. But now, as we round out the show here, we'll get into our 53-man uh, roster predictions and the cuts for all that for the Bills. So. 
Let's just jump right into it here. Shall we uh, start out at quarterback? Uh, breaking news here, controversial statement incoming, but Josh Allen will make the 53-man roster. What um, are you thinking? What are you thinking? Was I off? Was I? Did you turn? Did you not turn me on, Tanner? Because I knew. Because that you that knew was, I was gonna give a reaction, uh-huh. Tanner. Yeah, that's right. I knew that. You, was you just, just a, uh, anticipated for it. Groundbreaking, earth-shattering. Josh Allen will make the fifty-three-man roster. I I can't believe you, Tanner. <laughs> and Case Keenum will be his backup. And unfortunately, like I said, as good as Matt Barkley was, you know, as good of a punter dude, that we didn't even know, just. I don't think he can justify carrying three quarterbacks. Keenum, you know, he had two not-so-good games, and he had one phenomenal game. But, you know, at this point, we know what he is. He's been in the NFL for long enough. We know what he's about. We've seen that, you know, he can be, you know, a solid backup. And we've seen his ceiling, apparently, is, you know, the quarterback for, you know, an NFC title-bound team. So, you know, he's done enough. I don't think there's cause for concern. But uh, I got the Bills carrying two quarterbacks. That would be Allen and Keenum. I agree with that. Berkeley gets released, probably play on practice squad. Um, Keenum, I I agree with you because, you know, he had the two one really good game, but you also got to think he wasn't playing with ones. You, you know, you don't know how he's going to look with a good offensive line, good running backs, good wide receivers, not to make James Cook sound bad, but he didn't have the greatest preseason. So, yeah, Keenum's still fine on my book, one and two. All right, so now move over into the running backs here. We have six on the roster. I think we carry four into the regular season. Singletary, Moss, even though that's uh, not not as much of a guarantee now that I thought it was you know, prior to the show, but Singletary, Moss, Cook, and Taiwan Jones, although primarily for special teams purposes, he probably won't see any carries this upcoming season, but uh, that leaves Duke Johnson and Raheem Blackshear on the outside looking in. I mean, ideally, you know, we could cut Raheem Blackshear and stash him on the practice squad, but that's probably not going to happen. There's going to be some other team that'll poach him, so, you know, it's unfortunate, but, you know, running back talent is probably, you know, the easiest to find out of any position group in the NFL, so it is what it is. I mean, we had, you know, Christian Wade one year, and then it was Antonio Williams and now Raheem. So I'm sure, you know, we'll be able to find somebody. And plus, I, you know, trust Bean as a talent evaluator to be able to find those guys. So four running backs. I think they only do three. Um, I'm already anticipating the Moss move uh, just as the trade. But if he doesn't get traded, then it's four. But, um, you know, I think they cut Duke. They cut Blackshear, put Blackshear on the practice squad. They keep Singletary, Cook, Taiwan Jones. And then obviously fullback, got to keep Reggie Gilliam. I know Joe is big on the uh, Zach Moss to fullback train, but just not happening. Simply put, I'm mean, Reggie Gilliam's the guy. Yeah. And plus, you know, he can be like kind of like that fullback tight end, you know, flex hybrid type of guy. So Reggie Gilliam locked to make the roster. Now moving on to receivers. You've got 10 on the, well, nine on the roster currently now. Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Shakir, Stevenson, um, Kumaro, Hodgins, and Tanner Gentry. I think so. Definitely keeping Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder. I think I would like to see them keep him just to you know have that veteran presence in the in the locker room. That veteran slot guy, Shakir's done more than enough to secure his spot. Stevenson, I think, goes on IR. 
uh, which would end his season, I believe, if you're put on IR in the preseason, not eligible to no, return. No, I think you do four games first, and then after the four games, then it's season. Mm. But I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. Either way, I think he'll be put on IR, but I don't think he'll be cut out right. Um, think Kumaro will be cut, unfortunately. Hodgins, man, that's tough because he has done everything in his power to try and earn a roster spot this summer, you know, with the camp that he's had and the preseason games that he's had. But I don't know, it just might be too little too late. You know, he just hasn't been able to get on the field at all due to injuries. So mm, that's tough. I mean, again, it's like with Blackshear. Ideally, you know, you cut him and stash him on the practice squad, but I don't like the odds of Buffalo retaining him if he's just, you know, on the practice squad, free to get poached by another team. But, uh, I think they carry six receivers, Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Shakir, and then, you know, Stevenson. Uh, I'm going to say that with the Moss going away, they're going to keep seven. That's going to open up a spot. Mm. Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Shakir, Kumro, Hodgins. I think you get rid of Gentry, Stevenson, uh, Gentry and Stevenson. Just because Stevenson's hurt, nobody's going to touch him. That's that's my opinion. Maybe somebody does, and if they do, go right ahead. But Shakir's kind of like Stevenson. Can return, kind of that slot guy. Mm-hmm. I, it's kind of interchangeable at this point. Stevenson has kind of lost his spot because of the injury. I don't know if that's his fault or whatever he was doing, but blame your foot, buddy. You're, <laughs> you're off the team. And then Gentry, you'll probably go on the practice squad, raise you clear waivers. If you do, maybe somebody really sees potential in you. Perhaps. All right, moving on to tight end. Dawson Knox, locked to make the roster. O.J. Howard, I think, is a lock. I I guess that's not a, uh, a widely shared opinion throughout Bill's Mafia. I've seen some people say that, you know, he should get released or traded, but I think he stays. And then between, for me personally, between Sweeney and Morris, I lead more towards Sweeney. You know, he's been here longer. Um, You know, he's gotten, you know, actual live in-game action for the Bills. And Morris, he didn't really flash for me. I remember in the Denver game, I think we ended up scoring anyway, but I remember he had a holding call that wiped the Zach Mm -hmm. Moss touchdown off the board. And, you know, that's certainly, you know, it'll draw the attention of your coaching staff, but not in the way you want. That's not the type of plays that you know, are going to help you make the roster. So just, I think, you go Knox, Howard, and Sweeney as your tight ends. And then, of course, you've got, you know, Gilliam, who can be that fullback tight end flex. But I think you carry three tight ends. Yeah, that sounds right to me, too. Basically, Quinn Morris got her in practice again, so I am think he's going to be like Stevenson. Nobody's going to want to touch him. Uh, then he'll be put on the practice squad. That's, But that's my take on tight ends. Offensive line, we have 15. No, 13. Oh, one thing I will say before I forget, it's kind of it's going to be a tough day for me because I don't when the cuts are fully announced tomorrow because neither of the Tanners are going to make the roster. Tanner Owen, Tanner Gentry, it would be sick to have a fellow Tanner on the Bills, but I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe Gentry or uh, um, Tanner Owen gets put on the practice squad, but the uh, the amount of Tanners on the active roster for the Bills might be zero by the time that cuts are officially announced tomorrow, which is sad. But offensive linemen, you got 15. I think they carry maybe, I would say, nine into the regular season. They have Ike, Ike Butker on the pup list, so he won't count against the 53, you know, until we activate him. So I think you carry Dawkins, 
Morse, Brown, Saffold, Bates, Quessenberry, Doyle, um, Bobby Hart, and then, you know, Ike Butker when he eventually comes back. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for that, maybe you keep somebody like um, Greg Van Rotten on the roster, perhaps. But I think you carry nine in the regular season. Um, I I have about the same list as you. Dion, Mitch, Spencer Brown, Saffold, Bates, Quessenberry. Um, Doyle did get hurt, though, too. I know I'm mm. just finding people who are getting hurt. He has a foot injury. You don't know what that's like right now, but he could also go on the pup list or on IR for the four games. Um, but that would mean somebody else gets a spot because then he wouldn't count against the 53, I believe. Um, Mans makes it in. Hart makes it in. Um, and then while you're waiting for Bodiger and Bodiger and Doyle to be brought back in, uh, you do Tenuta and Rodden are your two that you keep while you're waiting. Yep. And waiting. I'm trying to jot all these down to see what the, uh, all right. Just to make sure that my final roster is at 53. All right, so now moving on to defensive ends. Obviously, Von Miller locked to make the roster, as is Greg Rousseau, Greg Rousseau Boogie Basham, Epinesa Lawson. I think just based off his performance in the Denver game, you know, he showed that he still got it. I think he makes the roster, and then that leaves Mike Love, Kingsley Jonathan, and obviously Daniel Joseph already got released, so that's uh, five DNs. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you, Vaughn, Russo, Basham, Epinenza, Shaq Lawson. All right, so that'll take us over to the interior of the defensive line now, defensive tackles. We've got eight of those on the roster. Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Brandon Bryant, Eli Anku, Prince Amili, and C.J. Brewer. I think you keep half of those guys, and that would be the top half. Obviously, Ed Oliver, Tim Settle, who came over in free agency, as did Daquan Jones and Jordan Phillips. Although I will say, you know, Harrington mentioned it earlier, and I will concur that Brandon Bryant and Eli Anku played pretty darn well in the preseason. So if you can, I'd say, keep Anku on the practice squad, maybe even both of them. But as far as the active roster goes, you keep, you know, the top half, Ed Oliver plus the free agent crop. Yeah, I agree. Four at the tackles, Oliver, Settle, Jones, Phillips. You either have Bryant or Inku as, like, a practice squad guy just so you have a backup. Um, but, I, I mean, if you can get both, good for you. Uh, you know, who knows who will get sweeped up in this time of chaos uh, because that's what all the GMs are doing. So, yeah, I believe four will make the roster. Linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds, we have eight of them. Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Tyrell Dodson, Tyrell Bernard, Tyler Matakevich, Andre Smith, Joe Giles-Harris, and Balin Spector. Does Smith still count with being on his suspension? I think so. Okay, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so obviously keeping Edmonds, keeping Milano, I would say keep Dodson and Bernard. Bernard had a really nice play early on in that, uh, that Panthers game where he, you know, shot in the backfield and stopped a run for a loss. And that's the thing with him. That's the thing that I was intrigued to see with him. You know, he's got uh, a lot of potential as like a blitzer or just, you know, when he, you know, diagnoses a play, 
uses his eyes, recognizes it, and he puts his foot in the ground. He can go. So, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, what he can do alongside Edmonds and Milano in certain packages. So Edmonds, Milano, Dodson, Bernard, Matikiewicz, and Smith, I think, are the ones you keep. Matikiewicz and Smith more for special teams purposes. But, you know, Andre Smith can, you know, take a couple snaps at linebacker if need be. He's done it before, but he's primarily a special teamer. So that would leave uh, Joe Giles Harris on the outside looking in and then Balin Spector, who I'd like to see on the practice squad. But that's uh, six linebackers for me. I think they're going to do seven. And I think I have enough room to do seven. I'm also trying to do the math while doing this, too, just to make sure. Um, Edmonds, Milano, locks. Dodson, Bernard, locks. Uh, Medikevich, yeah. Uh, or Medikevich, sorry. Sorry, name. Uh, Andre Smith, and then I think they keep Spectre being a little worried about him being picked up because he did have a really good preseason. He played a lot. He was all over the field. He made a lot of tackles, made a lot of assistant, uh, assist tackles. So Harris, you could probably let go and put on your practice squad. No mm-hmm. problem. But Spectre, I just don't know. So you just keep him as a seven. All right. So that takes us over to defensive back. Tredavious White is on the pup list, so he will uh, miss the – what is it, the first six games, I think? or Well, unless if they, they activate him, I think, right. like, yeah. this weekend. Mm-hmm. So he's on the pup list. He doesn't count toward the 53 for now. But outside of that, you've got Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson, Saran Neal, Kair Elam, Christian Benford, Cam Lewis, Nick McLeod, Jamarcus Ingram, and Jordan Miller. Miller got released, so that's oh, yep. already so one away. Nine. Um, man, this is tough. Um, so obviously you keep Johnson, you keep Dane Jackson. Cause you know, he's been steady in the time that, you know, he's had to, he's been thrust into the act, into the action and had to play. He's been solid. Saran Neal, obviously we re-signed him in the off season. You're going to keep him, um, you know, special teams guy, but he can also, you know, play cornerback, whether it's, you know, outside or in the slot or maybe, you know, like a safety, you know, he's pretty versatile player. So obviously you keep him, Kair Elam, you keep obviously the first round pick, Benford. I think Benford showed enough in the, uh, in the preseason to be on the roster. I don't know if he'll, you know, be starting, you know, for very long once Trey White comes back or even if he'll be a starting period, maybe it'll be a rotation, but he'll be on the roster, I imagine. And then, hmm, I think you cut Cam Lewis, but, keep him on the practice squad. I mean, he's a local guy, went to UB. Um, You know, he can play backup corner or safety. He did both in the preseason, so I think keep him on the practice squad, and then that means McLeod and Ingram are both gone. Maybe one gets on the practice squad. I think you do six, um, not including White, of course. Uh, Johnson, Jackson, Neal, Elon, Benford. I think Lewis makes it just as – placeholder for white just because you need somebody in case if somebody else goes down like uh, a Dan or an Elam because Elam did hurt his hand and we still don't know if it's major or minor Uh, so just to have that backup in case because we did have that situation once with uh, COVID COVID against the Arizona Cardinals Uh, Josh Norman got it and like affected the whole corner room uh, so you kind of need those backups uh, just in case. 
Uh, but yeah, I think they keep six at the time at, at this time. So I am now at forty-seven. Ooh, I'm coming close. Yeah, I'm at uh, forty-six. So safeties, we already got that one decided pretty much with the uh, the release of Josh Thomas. I imagine they're gonna you know keep the four safeties they have on roster. Obviously, Hyde, Poyer, Jaquan Johnson, and Damar Hamlin. Well, that one pretty uh, straightforward. And then for special teams, obviously, you know, keep Bass, lone kicker, Reed Ferguson, long snapper. And that puts me at 52, and then number 53 will be for whoever our punter is. Yeah, I'm just making sure. Oh, no. I have to cut somebody because oh, I'm man. at 53. Oh, no. I'm at exactly 53. I mean, it's great if I'm doing a – if there was a punter involved, but there's not. Hey, you know what? We don't even – that's a waste of a roster spot. We hardly punt anyway, especially exactly. against New England. Just send Josh Allen out there and have him arm punt it every fourth down. I mean, if I really have to cut somebody just to make sure there's room for a punter, Cam Lewis is gone. So I, I agree with Tanner on your take that Lewis would be gone and put on the practice squad. I would love it if he could make the active roster because, like I said, you know, he can, you know, he's backed up at both corner and safety, so it'd be nice to have, but uh, I think, you know, we got more pressing needs, so you'd have to uh, throw him on the the practice squad and just hope he doesn't get poached, which you'd better keep your fingers crossed tight if you're a Bills fan because that's the the problem we have these days with our roster being so good is, you know, we can't uh, put guys on our practice squad and then sleep soundly at night uh, thinking that they won't get poached because there's uh, teams out there that are, you know, deprived of talent. They don't uh, have quite the talent that we have, and they'd... uh, They'd be glad to take some of our uh, our talented depth off of, off of our hands. But uh, we're getting right up on the end of things here. Double D, is there any last uh, pressing things you'd like to talk about here before we sign off? I, I have one thing. All right, let's hear it. So we all know our favorite Sabre player over the past couple of years before he got traded to the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, mm, Jack Eichel. That's right. You know, everybody's favorite. Yes, sir. Um, he, he did an interview. And I, I want to read this uh, quote they had about his season. And he said, listen, I'm not going to make excuses. I don't think I played well last year in terms of my expectation of myself. And I'm sure the opinion of the public is pr- probably pretty similar. So, okay, that's nice. You're not going to, like, you're going to be straight to the point. Next paragraph. You'll, you'll like this, Terry. <laughs> With that being said, I came off a major surgery after not playing for a year. I had major spine surgery and played three months after. And so that's pretty quick. And, you know, like anybody that's had surgery or went through an injury, it takes a lot of time for you to get back to feeling like yourself. Is that an excuse? Well... It's an excuse. Here's my rule of thumb is that anytime somebody has to preface something with, I'm not trying to make excuses, but you can just assume that what's to follow is just going to be all excuses. Like, what a hypocrite. What? Yeah. I'm so glad we got rid of them. So, uh, that made me so mad when I read that. If you were with me when I first read it, like, I was ticked. Like, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and just play <laughs> hockey. 
Uh, but that's, I think, all I have if nothing else comes out right now. I um, think we can uh, we can both agree. We'll end off on this note. That I saw you tweet it once, and I'll bring it up again. Tage Thompson is better than Jack Eichel. All right, uh, we'll leave it at that. Maybe that'll spark uh, Dave not from Ted's. Maybe we'll be hearing from him sometime in the near future now. But uh, that's going to do it for today's show. It's been a pleasure to be back in studio for the first of many more to come. I want to thank my co-host, of course, Double D, you know, sticking out the whole thing with me, and then uh, Evan Harrington, who was here for the first hour, and maybe, who knows, maybe we'll uh, get to, maybe I'll get to meet, finally, Joe Callie one of these days. Won't be today, but uh, that's going to do it for now. For my aforementioned co-host, this is Tanner Saunders signing off here from the Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo, Buffalo Buffalo's original alternative since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee, and we will see you in the next one. Peace out, everybody.